It's a fucking nightmare world, and the worst thing is that it's real, and we're living in it. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm being controlled by something called Netflix. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Black Mirror's Bandersnatch. I'm going to put an asterisk on that word you just used. Black Mirror's? Film. Oh, God. Are we starting this now? Yeah, we're starting this already. This is what... Okay, It was prompted by our guest, whom you should introduce. We have James and Jack from Extra Credits. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, you are you have you have returned. You've both been to this uh, this apartment before, uh, but I don't think you've both been on the podcast, let alone at the same time. No, but hang on. You guys no. also had a pod. You got you you have your on Twitch. You have a extra film discussion, right? Well, we uh, we did we did, oh, okay. we we have back in the day. Uh, we might bring that back at some point, right? right. Um, but we we've, we've been doing actually on Twitch. If we want to start promoting extra credit stuff <laughs> so early in the episode, we've been doing a book club. Uh, talking about Dune. Yeah, we're yes. reading Dune. Ah, and so you should come back uh, in, what, two years' time two years. To, yeah. to discuss the, oh, the Denis Villeneuve film? Yeah. Or we could discuss the David Lynch film. Or it might just never come out, and it would be like or, other uh, You know Dune what films. would be a great thing to do is to supplement the, the Dune discussion with the uh, Ale- uh, Alejandro Hodorowski yes. book. Uh, you know, because it was uh, all his work was transformed into a comic book, I think. Oh, uh, have you read that? So, so we're getting we're already diving sidetracked wow. enti- right. entirely. Which is perfect, yeah. right? Because this is all about a branching path discussion. Exactly. So. And paratics. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. So I was super excited to talk about Bandersnatch, though straight up, I hate the name. Oh, really? I hate the name. It it rolls off my tongue really weird. Do you and know I, what it's in reference to? I have no idea. Really? It, yeah. Uh, do you guys you want to explain? So it's an Alice in Wonderland reference, or but the Jabberwocky palm. It actually <laughs> bothers me that it's an Alice reference because <laughs> there's so much through the Looking Glass stuff in this, especially <laughs> the literal crossing through the mirror. Right. Yeah. Um, there was. That's one thing I'm going to complain about a lot on this is how on the nose it was in a lot of places. Like I actually really enjoyed it, sure, to be totally yeah. honest. But, um, but yeah. So Bandersnatch is from the Hunting of the Snark. In, yeah, I've uh, actually got okay. the I've got the poem right here, and it says, "Beware the Jabberwock, my son. The jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the Jubjub bird and shun the frumious Bandersnatch." There's a Shutterwalk card in Hearthstone that when you play it, it goes, "My jaws that bite, my claws that catch." Yeah, <laughs> but it, it multiplies things so you hear that like 90 times and you go a little insane so this is all connecting uh, in my oeuvre of interest um could we could we do one backtrack for people who haven't met you guys on our podcast before and just get a little bit of backstory in terms of like the types of movies you enjoy and the types uh, yes. of work that you kind of you know i know you both work in games and you are you know absolutely passionate about games everyone should check out extra credits but i'm curious about your movie taste and what you're interested in oh um for me I like anything that something I that does something I haven't seen before. Mm, uh, that's a pretty. <laughs> I mean, so that's, a, that's a broad category. category. Good luck. Yeah, but uh, I mean, as we've discussed, F for Fake before. Yep. Oh yes, this. Oh, th- you guys did talk about F for Fake, right? Oh yeah, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and one that I would love to. I'm sure you guys have talked about it on this thing before. Oh, at, at, yes. in, in detail. <laughs> I, I, br- no I bring up F for Fake uh, unnecessarily in conversation. And I'm sure it's going to come up here too. Yeah, yeah. because it is a branching storyline. It just right. did. Right. <laughs> Done. How about you, Jack? Uh, I like tra- I like trashy sci-fi classics. Okay, Stargate yeah. is one of my favorite movies, and I'm not ashamed to. Admit. I don't think Stargate's that trashy. <laughs> I think you could go really trashy if you want to go sci-fi. Well, it depends which Stargate. That's if you're true. talking about the movie, yeah, we're okay. It, yeah, if you're talking about some of the TV series, I then like we get into real trashy. Both. Yeah, Stargate's fun. 
I like Stargate. <laughs> no, I like Stargate. Comments I like Alien. Matt. I like uh, Terminator. I those mean, are I great, like, Those aren't trash. Yeah, yeah, they don't seem trashy to me. Those are, those are like solid choices. I'm trying, yeah. to, what's, I'm trying to think of the trashiest sci-fi. Well, I well, did. Kill a Clowns from Outer Space is where I yeah, would go. Like, like that like, kind of trashy. Yeah. I will say. I should say cheesy. Okay. What I meant to say was cheesy. For the first time ever, I was shown the illustrious John Favreau film, Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. apparently, as a as a secret of, uh, uh, that I had no idea about my significant other Jamie, uh, she loves cowboys and aliens. Like, lo- <laughs> wow. like, like guilty pleasure loves it. And I watched it, and I had never seen it before. Uh, I like John Favreau uh, mm. as a director, and uh, it was it was an enjoyable, like irreverent nonsense thing. Uh, so I I don't know that was just a what my that was probably my cheesiest. Uh, You're just outing Jamie. On <laughs> I am sorry right sorry Jamie. I but she now owns the, due to a, uh, a secret Santa uh, gift swap thing or not secret uh, a white elephant. Uh, she owns three copies of it on Blu-ray. <laughs> that is that is fortunate that uh, the movie she loves got given it was to her. Yeah, really yeah. strange. It was fortuitous. Anyway, she here before we get into uh, Bandersnatch the film. I will say. Uh, okay. No asterisks when I say it. All right. Um, well, you said we had an email. Yes, we, uh, someone, uh, well, not someone, Wiss from Fort Lauderdale <laughs> wanted to write in, chime in and, uh, and add a few counterpoints to our review of Halloween. Did either of you see Halloween, the, the update? One? Yeah. No. Didn't see it? Are you fans of the original or have seen so the original? I, I enjoy the original. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Jack? I have, I've never seen it. All right. Well, uh, there was a remake this year, and specifically they wanted to discuss the question we raised about the morality clause, which was something we kind of talked about. Oh, we, yes. we referred to as kind of like horror movies have some, you know, like have a fairly flexible morality clause, but there is some sort of clause that is written into, well, oh, that I is know created. The scene you're talking about. Yeah, that is created with the audience about who can and can't be killed in horror movies. And horror right. movies break these all the time. Um, uh, so Wiss said uh, he wanted to dis- uh, include uh, add a counterpoint to our discussion on the morality clause that typically determines who is killed in a horror movie. And you mentioned, um, I guess this is a spoiler. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, fast forward it, it, two it, minutes it, if it, you're worried it, about Halloween if spoilers. You, if you haven't seen Halloween, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but basically someone gets killed, a young person gets killed who uh, may not fit into what we kind of classically think about that morality clause. I believe this was done intentionally. This is the first on-screen kill for Michael in the film, and I believe it was meant to portray Michael as evil from the get-go. Michael Myers has become a pop culture icon, icon, but it is important to state that this is not someone you should be rooting for. He is evil. You two discussed earlier in the summer that Deadpool 2 came off as being a bit tone diff uh, in today's violent times. I thought Halloween did a good job of not glorifying the violence, but instead showing the horrors of a deranged character. Hmm. I, I, I'm... Hmm. I, mm, yeah. I don't... Oh, uh, look, uh, <laughs> they both glorify violence in a very different way. Oh, okay. You uh, take umbrage with the, the Deadpool I, comparison. I, I, well, no, no. No, <laughs> Dead, no Deadpool 100% glorifies violence. There's no question. I'm yeah. saying... But, but Halloween and slasher films, it, it, they glorify it, but it's in a more of a... Like a primal catharsis sort of way, as opposed to like for humor and the lulls, if you will. Right, and I think that's something we talked about because we we mentioned how like some of these horror icons have become somewhat comedic. You know, like uh, Freddy Krueger, for example, yeah. is more of a uh, he in in a weird way he becomes the hero of his films because he's kind of oddly <laughs> likable. But Michael Myers has never had uh, that dimension added to him. He's always been kind of a terrifying character. And I think I think Wes's point is true that this re-emphasized that even though Michael Myers. Films have gotten a little silly. I don't think anyone's ever tried to make him the not not, uh, and I'm not suggesting that, that like Jason Voorhees is the hero of his movies, but 
but you're kind of in it to watch the kills. And and I think what this did in that film was establish we shouldn't necessarily be in it for the kills in, in terms of Mike Myers. I I guess, but yeah. in no in no more than the other films did like this one didn't do it special. Like, right. Okay. Uh, I, I'm glad that the, uh, the conversation about Halloween is still going on because that is a film that I, I, whenever there's a remake of a prominent film, and actually more so in the horror genre, yeah. I feel like uh, there's always a little bit extra to say about it. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a, uh, it's the weird kind of what I will call the passionate cash grab, mm-hmm. okay. uh, because I think horror films are things that people reinvent or reinvigorate because they someone behind it truly loves it, but also the studios like and people know the name. So yeah. like, uh, there's there's an interesting thing about that sort of conceit of knowing who to root for, who's who's <laughs> setting up that he is in fact not the good guy. Though then again. He doesn't kill the baby. Yeah, I think Rob Zombie's films were kind of more of an example of shifting that that level of um, not a fiction, but like you know who we are rooting for in that character. Rob Zombie's films tried to like really identify what the issue was with Michael Myers and, and tell his story. Whereas huh. I don't think this film is kind of no. Like that. This story doesn't. This film does not care about Michael Myers <laughs> as a sto- as a story point. One last but. comment from Wiss was uh, additionally, I wanted to disagree with Matt's argument that the five kills isn't even a big deal for today's standards. Comment undercut the film. Now, again, I had to kind of refresh my memory on that, but I think there's, there's a comment that's made early in the film about someone saying, oh, you know, what Michael Myers did in the original film wasn't that bad because it was only five kills. Right, we brought and, that up because that's a line of the movie. And I, and I think you said that you felt that undercut the film. Uh, Wiss disagrees. Uh, the character made the statement. He was quickly admonished by other characters and basically admitted that he had said something dumb. I believe it was more of a tis, uh, more of a statement uh, on the overall desensitivity towards violence within our current society. The rest of the film shows how those five deaths forty years ago has impacted three generations of characters. That's a fair point. I will. I will. Uh, I'm trying to remember that specific exchange. Right. But as far as I remember, plus Wes's sort of recanting of it, uh, the, the recount of it, then I will. I will concede my point if that is if that is the case. Good job, Wes. <laughs> Thank you've, you. Very, you've, well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Broken us from the get-go. Thank you, Wes. Uh, please, uh, if you're listening in and have any comments about anything we might say or not say, uh, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod and also keep those iTunes reviews coming in because they're very nice and we like caring about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, five stars is the best, but we'll take as many as you can spare. Okay. Moving on. We have two people, uh, well, three people now. I feel like I'm the only non-game person kind of uh, in this conversation. Well, just, so just to clarify, <laughs> yeah. I actually write mainly for Extra History. Oh, okay. On the YouTube channel, so uh, I'm I'm more in your boat. I'm oh. uh, an enthusiast, a player of games, but right. I don't have a lot of industry experience directly. I'm sure being around these two guys, though, you <laughs> must, you know. I learn a lot. It's <laughs> true. And you, I mean, you you play, you 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 play. I'd say just as much as us as well. So it's like, yeah, oh, you, I play. All the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not working in the industry, right? Okay, and so the 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 and this is an unusual one because um, while Black Mirror is an anthology series with episodes that generally run run longer than ni- oh, up to ninety minutes in yeah. some cases, which is sort of film length, it's not something that we might necessarily classify as a f- exclusive film. Uh, in that it's in so much as it's released on Netflix, uh, in so much as it is part of an anthology series. Um, I'm just saying, you know, these are some of the parameters. It's not, it's not a movie you're going to go see the theater. 
Um, and then, of course, unusually with Bandersnatch is that there is an element added to this that is uh, fairly unique uh, in terms of anything that we've reviewed, which is that it has an, an interactive element. Um, so, Matt, do you want to explain what Bandersnatch is? Sure. Well, if it actually kind of harkens back a little bit to the episode that James and uh, our artist on Extra Mythology, uh, Joseph Maslov, did on Late Shift, right, which the is a, motion the video. FMV yeah. uh, games. And those have been around forever. Mm -hmm. uh, not forever, just, you know, for a long, long time. And um, this is what I would consider the mainstreaming and the natural next step of that. Okay. Uh, in a sense where when you're watching it, you're presented with a choice. And depending on the choice, it, it works like a choose-your-own-adventure book from back in the day, which I loved. I, yeah. Those, Same. Growing up, that yeah. was just like, that was how my parents and my teachers got me to read recreationally. And then it like tricked my brain into just being like, oh, I'll just read normal books now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, so, uh, you know, you're presented with a choice. So you can either choose one choice, the other choice, or actually, as uh, Jack and James were mentioning before we even started this, neither choice you can just not pick something uh, so those are the things then depending on that the story branches in a court in in different ways what is the story the story is uh takes place in the 80s it's about a, a budding video game developer who's mm. trying to sort of get funding or sell his idea to a video game company uh to produce his game and mm. um and then it kind of spaghettis out in a uh, sort of self-referential in both theme and uh, platform and uh, series mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. uh, and sort of talks about the nature of free will and mm -hmm. if it exists. Um, real quick, the one thing I did want to say is since I do think this is, and I'd be interested in both of your opinions on this as well, and Shahir, you're, you too. The, yeah, whatever. The other guy I always yeah. talk to. Um, is I, I do think this is sort of a natural progression, but I think it's because people, uh, viewers that are able to see this, Netflix subscribers, are now inundated with how you control watching a thing on Netflix. And by that I mean you put left and right. That's correct, Zoe. I don't know if you could hear that on the background. Um the basically like you, you hit left or right on whatever your remote or your PlayStation controller or whatever you're doing to get to to select the movie you want, you click it and then you click play. Like it's all very even simplified controller-esque in general. So asking someone to do this while watching a film where they've already sort of been trained on whatever device that they're using to actually select buttons and make choices even like just to watch something, I feel like this is like, oh, well, they're like, we know how to do that. As opposed to if I sat my mother down to watch Late Shift, I'd be like, okay, here's the keyboard. Hit the button when it says the thing. And she'd be like, uh... <laughs> So like that's what I was I thought what what did you sort of feel about that? Yeah, angle? it's funny. That reminds me of the first extra credits episode I ever saw, which was on games literacy, and it was sort of uh, adjacent to that yeah. same mm. topic that there are certain skills that people who are immersed in a media can um, take for granted or sort of just assume that everybody knows. So I think you're correct. Yeah, that um, it's uh, it's definitely a more accessible version. Yeah. So I agree there. I think that it still has some of the artifacts of a game-like experience um, that that come from all of these things, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but especially the pacing issue where every time you make a choice, it has to pause for those 10 seconds um, while all the characters basically just idle, right? Yeah. Um, because we can't seamlessly cut between the two pieces. Um, which is interestingly 
in some ways different than a standard video game where we can sort of interpolate between one thing and another programmatically, whereas here we just have to wait for the film to sort of catch up to the next point where we can seamlessly make that break. Right. Yeah. I love that you just used the phrase interpolate programmatically. <laughs> 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 Welcome to a podcast about movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That seems to work. So yeah, and and I I think uh, we we were on a panel at PAX uh, a few years ago talking about the distinction between video games and uh, movies when we talked to and I think we we got into a conversation about the way in the the sort of language of cinema and the way uh, audiences are trained to kind of accept uh, yes. emotional changes within a film through the language of cinema and how that is entirely different in video games. We, I think that that topic was brought about because we were talking about video game adaptations and the inherent deficiencies that you get from adapting from one medium to the other. Right. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that that's really important because how we deliver it through games is very often through the interactivity itself. Exactly. And I think in movies that, that you know, you were mentioning the case of your mother having to sit down and program, you know, and like, and, and make choices is something that inherently in my brain is counterintuitive to the cinematic experience. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the cinematic experience is in, is in my mind kind of a much more internal psychological response, whereas the video game experience is a much more physical response. You know, you actually have to physically respond. And in many, in, in many cases, your reflexes are, are, are at test. So you you're engaging a different way to interact with the medium itself. And I think and I think that's a sort of unique distinction between video games and movies, for example. Would you mind saying just a little bit more? I know it's a complicated question, but a little bit more about what you think that psychological response looks like? In games or in movies? In movies, as opposed to the physical response. Oh, you're gonna games. get an answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, All so right. no, well, so uh, okay, so the 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 maybe the classical example is the Kuleshov effect. So the Kuleshov effect is a is an experiment that was set up in the 1900s by the by the Soviets, and they basically determined that if you put a, a reaction shot of a human being with a sort of a blank expression on on their face next to a shot of uh, an action, the audience will interpret that blank expression to be a response to that action. So, for example, they took a a, a shot of a man and they put it next to a shot of a baby. And then the audience interpreted that the man was feeling uh, empathy or wanting to, you know, to, it was feeling warm. Then they put that same shot next to a train that was, a pro you know, that looked like it was approaching the screen and everyone interpreted that, sh uh, that, that, um, that look as being scared or something like that, you know, as in they, they reinterpreted it. And I think that's, that's part of the psychological activity that happens in movies. Now, that certainly happens in games as well, but I think games also trigger, you know, uses a different response mechanism by, you know, you having to physically interact with the game. Like, and I think for me, you know, like my apprehension about full motion video games and, and movies and cinema in general uh, doing this is that you, the, the, the act of actually having to physically do something is somewhat counterintuitive to what we know and understand about the way cinema language works. So that was really interesting to me in this case because in games, one of the parts of the emotive experience that we deliver is uh, this question of what did I do, right? right? Um, which you can't exactly have in film, right? In film, you're interpreting the actions of characters on the screen and you may be relating to your life, but yeah. you're, not, you're not feeling responsible for those actions. Whereas in a game, you are, right? right? And that's that's the impact that we deliver. We can make you horrified at your own actions or pleased at what you've done um, or proud of yourself, right? Movies can do that as well, but I think they do it in a very different way. Without and, and they do it, obviously, without the physical interactivity. It's interesting because I don't know if I've ever walked out of a movie feeling 
proud of myself. Right. I've made. I've walked out of movies that have made commentary on, on the society I live in or right. the way that I live, and feel ashamed about that way, but not about something I specifically did during the film experience. So, and the person who was really brilliant at this was Alfred Hitchcock, and mm. and films like um, I think it was Frenzy or even. Uh, psycho, where you he did an unusual thing, which is that he followed the murderer trying to cover up his tracks. Mm -hmm. And what he found that that did was that audiences got anxious when the murderer wasn't able to do it correctly or was about to be caught. And and what was happening is there's this, uh, you know, again, another psychological effect in cinema is called the suture effect, where you transfer your psychological anxiety to that of a character. And what they found was that, you know, audiences were getting anxious that this character, who's essentially the villain of the film, is you know like the audience can see themselves and are concerned about their decisions, and I think so. I think it's it's possible, but it's it's a su somewhat more subtle uh, activity in cinema. Yeah, what's interesting to me about this issue is I what I feel both media have in common is that they're both trying to provide a safe space for people to explore situations. Yeah, that you couldn't normally. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it can be murders and you know <laughs> big really scary things yeah. you shouldn't but it's exciting as human beings to explore realms of experience yeah. like that or it could be really mundane both in games you've got you know Stardew Valley and and all of that and you've got movies about relatively mundane situations too and i think it's interesting to think about the theater as a space where it's dark you're sort of with other people but they do what they can to sort of mitigate yeah. the impact of other people around you and give you that time to just sit and consider other people's actions and your reactions to them sort of in that empathic space as opposed to games where you have to sort of be uncomfortable and you've got this sort of crisis moment yeah. in Bandersnatch where you're thinking, oh, is there a choice I should be making? Is there a, a, a sort of ethics that I should be using to be guiding yeah. my decisions right now? Is it a bad thing if I choose randomly? If I don't make a choice, what happens? And it kind of, uh, it makes you more engaged on the one hand because ultimately mm. your actions have a direct impact, but in a way sort of less engaged because uh, your immersion is broken as you have this sort of crisis of, of how do I how do I decide right now? How do I engage with this? Well, that choice is taken away from you in mm. film. One of the reasons that I raise this question of uh, sort of interactivity and the choice that I make is because in games, one of the key things we have to understand to deliver an emotive impact is who the player is, right? right? Who you think you are. Are you the character on the screen? Are you the person sitting in front of the screen? Um, are you some sort of godlike narrator, right? Mm. Um, are you sort of that omniscient presence? What are you, right? Yeah. And who do you think yourself to be? Because that'll impact how you make decisions. And it was very interesting how Bandersnatch approached that question and I think really wanted to deal with that question. And yet, I still, throughout the entire experience, don't, Never felt like I had a solid grounding on who I was while I was making that choice. I, I think I did, and I think that's a reason why I actually dug it as much as I did. Because before, it's, I mean, we're going to slowly trickle in spoilers here. I suggest I, yeah. listening. It's a spoiler. Or, I suggest episode. watching Bandersnatch uh, before you, listening to this episode kind of past this point. I know we're doing it a little earlier than we normally do. But I'll try not to, like, you know, just say everything up front. But I really, one of the reasons I think this worked 
very well. It, it was sort of a twofold thing. Uh, going back to sort of um, a previous point that everyone was sort of making, the the type of engagement and the type of emotional reaction you get from this, I think it's interesting because it's not exactly film and it's not exactly game. It's like doing a trade-off because, like Jack said, it breaks your immersion when you have that moment of just sort of like waiting to see what your decision is. Yeah. But at the same time, I had a different emotional reaction in a sort of same level of like, I'll call it like if I had emotional energy. I'm spending it just in a different way. Right. There were moments in Bandersnatch, the first one really, was when they were on the balcony and it was like, choose who jumps. Yeah. And I was like... No, like I was very, yeah. I was very engaged in it in a different way than I normally would. But I would, I would say in no less of an intense, no more or less of an intense way, just differently. And the second uh, part is sort of when deciding at when you're in, uh, when you're playing a game. Who are you? Sometimes you know for sure, like uh, God of War. You are Kratos. Right, you are yeah. doing whatever he does. Um, in this. The reason I think it works, and I'll get into it more, is because the centralized theme of the piece ties in with the mechanics of the piece, which also ties into the direct dialogue of the piece. And by the end of it, I actually did know exactly, or I, I had, it, my opinion anyway, I knew exactly who I was supposed to be in the game, or in the, in the film, mm -hmm. and that was me watching and controlling the film and narratively that connected for me. So it's funny because uh, that's I believe what they were going for and for me as soon as that's where we were uh, it was it lost actually all of its emotive impact oh, for no. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah because it felt so I don't know almost gimmicky yeah. um, that Sure, right. Like, and I mean, I understand it's also commentary on our viewing habits as modern viewers and our consumption of uh, material that is sort of uh, exploitive or whatever. But I thought it was so. Here's the thing. There's a part now. I, I'm going to get into. The, I think the part you're talking about yeah. that was the gimmick is it when it actually references Netflix. Yes. Okay. So when I got to that sort of, um, I guess branch mm -hmm. uh, first, that yeah. was sort of my first way down the line. At first, I was like, haha, that's cool. And then as I was playing that, I was like, if this is how this ends. I'm going to be pissed. Do we do we want to give some context for this choice for people who haven't? Sure, yet? I think sure. it's going to be completely yeah. spoiler -ific. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's super spoilery. So basically, I, and I think this isn't too much of a spoiler. No. The main character starts to undergo a crisis and sort of realize that not all is as it seems, and he asks for the first time directly, sort of, who are you? Who's out there? What's going on? I know you're listening to me. Uh, and you can say Netflix is one of your options, like mm. the Netflix logo. Yeah. Yeah, and so I didn't, like, when that happened, I was like, if this is the point, then I'm out. Mm -hmm. Like, I was not about it. And then I, I w and then as sort of it went through, and you, you know, you, you backtrack, and you go down different paths, etc., I was like, oh, that's not the point, but that did it, inform it kind of informed me where I was supposed to be thinking about. And then I became sort of a bit of a benevolent, I, I would hope, mm -hmm. benevolent overlord. Well, actually, kind of, I guess, not benevolent because I did all the bad choices before I did the good ones. So I'm just <laughs> torturing people. <laughs> so, but I felt like Cabin in the Woods did a much better We Are the Monster. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Than. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of with you on this, which is that um, up until sin uh, up until choices became um, 
here's what I think. I think I think it's a really interesting experiment. I think it's bold choice for Netflix to do this. I think Netflix is the perfect platform to yeah. do this yeah. thing. I think it's mm-hmm. extraordinary. You know, and, and one of the things I we sort of well, I tend to forget about is that you know we sort of think of Netflix as a content provider, but they're also a technology company. And I think this is a really good example of them, you know, being a technology company and trying something new. And Black Mirror and Charlie Brooker are a great avenue to try this out on i think it's a really good piece of content they have done this before with puss in boots and yeah. uh and a minecraft um oh, they story did? mode oh, yeah. they did which do you, minecraft yeah on which Netflix. you can play on uh, on your um uh you know whatever device you have but i think just from a technological point of view the fact that they're feeding to many different types of devices and and trying to create a consistent experience is really extraordinary and so for all those reasons i actually did really appreciate this but i'm with you in that i think fundamentally uh I was not, there's two problems. For me, I was not emotionally invested in Stefan's journey or, or the choice, you know, like the story of this particular um, uh, episode. And, and, and the, there was an interesting thing for me was that when I started making choices that I, when I play games, I always, I, I tend to like put myself in the mode of trying to protect the character or trying to do what I perceive to be the right thing. I bring my morality into the sure. game. And what I found with this was that the more uh, it, it happened right at the beginning as well, uh, which is when a choice I made, which I felt was consistent with what the character wanted, turned out to be the wrong choice. You chose the wrong cereal. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him to work for the company. And then when I when the when basically the 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 game or movie or whatever you want to call it started rejecting that choice and making me do it over and over again, I found myself becoming a cruel overlord. And I was just like going, okay. I don't care about protecting this character anymore. What I want to do is see how messed up I can get. And so I became, I found myself getting very cruel and not invested emotionally. Now, the I think there's an opportunity in this story for there to be like a broader commentary about that in relation to Bandersnatch and, and the story that they're trying to tell. And I, for me, what happened is by the time they started branching out into multiple different, you know, narrative conclusions that were all really varied and wide. None of them really satisfied me. They were interesting. And I think, you know, this is sort of that Marshall McLuhan, the medium is the message kind of thing, but I wasn't actually invested in what was happening. And I think for that, it's an interesting experiment, but not necessarily the most successful one. So again, that moment when with the game company, that's the first one that actually can actually end the film for you. Um, I think we it's made fa- the right choice. It's a false yeah. ending, though, because it is. It's also a teaching sure, moment, right? We'll, it's meant we'll to teach to, you how yeah, to play. Well, the exactly. Game. But it's it's a teaching moment in two ways. It's a teaching moment to show you, oh, if you make a mistake, you can go back and uh, uh, and basically see a brand new cut down previously on mini cut of what you did to that point, which they're different every time. And by the end, they change in just different, not even just based on choices, just certain characters like, oh, it's you again, because they can sort of see through the facade. But two, your choices up until that point are super benign, just sort of getting you in the groove of making choices. It's serial. It's what music you listen to on the bus, that sort of thing. And I I actually was like, I was like, all right, kudos, because that's like such an easy choice, even from a tech perspective, like just play a different song in the headphones. But that one was really effective. I actually feel like the music choice in the beginning was the first one that sort of brought me in because yeah. that not only changed, allowed me to contextualize my own experience through the emotive effect of the music, 
but that's a very human choice, yeah. right? Yeah. And that gave me that allowed me to define the character. So yeah. in the in the game, in, when he goes to the game development company and they offer him the choice of doing the gig, at first when I chose, of course, because that's the path the character was going, just like you said, Shahir, mm-hmm. that would be uh, you know what I would think he would pick, and like yeah. that's where I thought the story would go. And then it came to a bad ending, and you had to go back. At first, I was like, well, that's kind of bullshit, because I was like, the whole movie sort of trained me to get to that point and make because that's what the kid wanted. He went in for the meeting and and the way the dialogue was, I'm like, the dialogue's sloppy because it felt very like Fallout 4 where you have four different choices and three of them get you the exact same thing no matter what you say. And I was like, okay, is this what this mo- this movie's going to be? But then, kind of what you said, how it knocked you or you're like, oh, well, well, I guess now I'm, it, it, it made you, Shahir, think in a different way and not just try to make the best choice because now you know it, the game is sort of, the, the mm. game slash film has trained you to think, oh, well, my normal moral choice won't always get me the thing I think it will, and now I'm going to be more free-flowy with where I go. Because if it was just sort of like, you make all the good moral choices and you win, that would be kind of a... I liked in the... I'm I'm stumbling. In the moment, I didn't like that because I felt like it was sloppy and forced. By the end of it, I was like, I'm glad that happened because it made me, and it sounds like it made you, make different choices than you would otherwise. But this is my problem because that's what I expected the... Message to yeah me. the commentary to of the film to be about that right and, and the it, fact that we as viewers right you think it's about free will right you think you have free will but in fact the game is constraining you by its very nature throughout the entire thing so while you think you're the operator while you think you're the person from Netflix controlling this person it's actually Charlie Brooker and Netflix controlling you yeah. And you're just part of that experience. But that commentary didn't really get made. It was much more, uh, you are the monster from from Netflix, right? It, well, I have a theory as to why, why this happened. And I think it's one of my criticisms of Stefan as a character. I think that they did their best to establish him as being a fundamentally flawed, broken person who at 20 five or however old he's supposed to be needs his dad to pick which cereal he eats in the morning right right he's on medications like they're trying to show us this person cannot function without um assistance and i think they maybe stigmatize some of his sort of mental illness and his need for therapy and and medications too which is a, a different point but one that i feel like i have to bring up um but i think that in order to make us feel okay with making choices for him they didn't make him very keen on making any choices for himself such that we felt bad when we felt like we did the wrong right that's interesting yeah yeah and and i think i think to me the 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 i actually think the the potential for this was to me the most exciting potential was when you did start having as you know as a viewer a dialogue with stefan you know when you when you're you know when he's asking for a response and you kind of give him one and you know there there's sort of I think there are sort of interesting potentials that this film or you know this episode leads into where for example we peel back the curtain and we realize that we're watching a movie being made or we peel back the curtain and we realize that there's a government conspiracy that has been watching him his entire life. You know, those are all really interesting ideas and meta commentaries that I think actually do tie into what this is about. But none of them but I think the issue here is that 
the the film is so uh, intent on showing us the multitudes of possibilities that we don't ever key into one that is actually clear and cohesive. So, you know, there's all these different possibilities that of what is actually going on. I keyed but, into the one ending, though. I mean, I keyed into what I'll, what I'll call the good ending, right. even though it's the, the ending I'm thinking of, which we'll get to later, is sort of like, it's also a sad thing in its own right, but it was the most sort of like cyclical, complete, felt like I had, I had completed the story slash game slash film slash whatever we want to call this, this interactive experience. Right. Um, I, like a, the a lot of the other ones felt like almost like sugar or interesting thing. Like my again, now let's get into one some of the endings, I guess, because we're going to start talking about them. One of my favorite ones was uh, well, actually, wait, wait, let me rewind. Does everyone think they saw everything? No, no, I don't think I, I saw everything. I'm sure I didn't see everything. I yeah. think I saw everything, and based on my research that I did on this afterward. I have yet to see a branch that I did, uh, I, a main thing anyway, that I did not see. Sometimes in um, the rewinds and the recaps, I think there's different things that I might have missed based on order. Here, here's, here's what I would say, but in terms of, in terms of that question, is that uh, I think I saw a lot. If I did miss something, I'm not necessarily interested in going back That's, to revisit. Yeah, it, which is fine. Yeah, um, and I 100% agree. In fact, I was very almost relieved when I read that. <laughs> I like I was looking for like, oh, there might be one or two things that I didn't hit, but it seemed like the main points that they were trying to do I had seen, and the way that I got there was sort of like you know going forward, 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 back, forward, forward, back, back, forward, forward. Like it just it. It all felt very, even though it was a lot of branching paths, I felt like I was navigating the maze correctly in the moment. Well, what's interesting is they also assist you with that. By the way, they do the rewinds, right? Yeah. Uh, rather than the old books, you have to figure out where to flip back to. They flip you back to whatever the key inflection yes. point is. Yeah. And I thought there was a, another interesting opportunity there was when the characters recognize that you've come back. Yep. You know, well, only Walt one Pult of them does. When Will Poulter kind of yeah. says to you, hey, how did you know that? And you know information about scenarios that have happened before. And I was like, oh, this is, if this is, if the actual, you know, the process of playing the game is revealing what the narrative is, then I think that would have been interesting. But I, I just, I think those things didn't quite line up into a, into a singular experience. Side note, I, this is a tangent, but poor Will Poulter, man. You, you hear about this whole Twitter garbage? No, oh, what happened? Yeah. So he's basically, and he, I, I, the, the, the articles themselves are a little bit like, ah, but I don't think it's as big as they're sort of making it out to be, but like the, 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 the clickbait was like Will Poulter quits Twitter, quits Twitter over uh, bullying and da 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 da. Basically, because of this movie, uh, people were like really insulting just the way he looks. What's really strange is that nobody that this didn't happen around his performance in Detroit. That was my point because <laughs> yeah. he plays one of the most disgusting, horrible people in Detroit. Mm. Like he's a he's a racist. I, I'm guessing the 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 community that this does the going. online trolling. This is where I'm going. Watch films like Detroit. Uh, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, and he wrote he wrote on Twitter. He's like, you know, I'm just you know for my own mental health. He's like, I love hearing from everybody, but it's just getting weird and toxic. And he was like super like his his response is chill, and it was just sort of like I 100 percent get it. It just sucks that it exists. And I was like, why? I was thinking that I'm like, why was this character who seemed pretty cool and like you know he's not he had definite flaws. But he was like, I don't know, an interesting character. Is this Colin? I don't know the. Yes, Colin. Actor. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yes, Colin. Um, he played a a, a a brutal racist cop in Detroit in the film Detroit. Might add. I think we, was, we talked about. It. He was he very was good, phenomenal. Yeah. But like a terrible character. Like a he played a terrible character beautifully. And when I see backlash about his look in in this thing, I'm like, oh, 
this is kind of the commute, like what you said, Jahir. It's like that sort of like the the toxicity sometimes we experience in games has now bled over into this mix of game and film. And I was like, huh. Like, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Anyway, sorry. I just, I read about that earlier today and I was like, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that leads into kind of uh, an interesting point to me, though, which is uh, I think the film looked really good. Yeah. I think yeah. that Netflix is exceptionally good at doing sort of historical period pieces for recent decades. Yeah. Like, they do the right amount of nostalgia <laughs> without making it feel pandering, and there's all these little details about the way people look and what's going on in the background. I think they... Yeah. I mean... The list yeah. of music he tells them to pick yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that Very was specific. Just yeah. like the makeup that people are wearing, random people in the background. Nobody feels like an extra who they threw a mohawk on because mm. it's the 80s. Like It feels very curated, and I think they did a beautiful job of, of giving us the feel of this... Design, this sort of game design world in the 80s. And I loved I loved just in, in, to that point, it's almost like this this film slash game uh, has its own scoring system kind of at the end of it, which yeah. is you're watching this 80s television review show of video games, which yeah. felt so... I, I, to be honest, I don't think I've ever watched a show like that, right. but but it felt real to me because yeah. they did the work. And it so did. so you get like, oh, the guy reviews is like, oh, well, Bandersnatch gets a two out of five. It felt like something was there, but oh, you da 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 da. And so like you're, I when it first happened a couple times, I'm like, I'm getting five stars. I'm <laughs> getting five stars. And of course, that's not the ending I would consider the best well, ending. I, I think that actually leads to an interesting question. So so to your point, which I think is correct, is that you know like it is a it is a beautiful looking piece. It is constructed well. It's written well. It's acted well. You know, it has all the tenets of um, high cinema in some respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but on the other hand of it, it is kind of partially a game. And I'm curious from your all of your points of view as well is like, what are you? What do you think its failings are? As you know, in in if it was, if you were just looking at it as a game, not as a film, like what are what are the issues that it has as a game? And and where do you think this has been done better, or there are better examples of this, or or you know something so so that people like me who are on the film side of it can consider you know what the other side of this equation is. Uh, so for me, I would say that the limited nature of the interactivity, not understanding who I am as a character, and therefore not understanding sort of where the empathetic core of it is, was the problem for me. Right. Um, if you look back to some of the Telltale games, like uh, like the original Walking Dead, yeah. right, uh, that had a surprisingly relevant and impactful story where even though they didn't actually give you any more branching than this did because all these games by their very nature because you can't create yeah. a thousand hours of content um, the branches are limited your choices felt much more impactful and they were the sort of thing that you anguished over a lot more there's a moment in this where things like kill your dad mm. should be a big yeah. emotionally impactful moment and it wasn't for me yeah. right um and so there was just a lot of that setup sort of lacking um so yeah that that I think would be the problem for me right and and of course this is hindered by the fact that you know we we already mentioned as well that this is a 
uh, a film, you know, film and television company trying to deliver, uh, you know, some some hybrid experience that that brings that in. And obviously, there are technological limitations to the way you could the way you can do that on on the mediums that that are described. You know, not not least of which is the fact that you need time to 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 make decisions, and you can't interpolate graphics in that way um, as as much as you right. can just like play a shot out for ten seconds. Yeah. Um, so that you know, it is just a different medium. But I'm you know, I'm just curious from your point of view as a game, does it work? Yeah, I think for me, uh, and this is tricky because I don't know if this is me saying that it's not a good game or if this is me saying that it's just a game film hybrid and it's going to be different. But I think I would have liked more flexibility. Mm -hmm. So the inflection point that it turned us back to uh, was very late. Right. It was probably more than halfway through. And there were a lot of other choices that it seems like James and I, when we were watching it together, we happened to choose the right choice. And it seems like you had, uh, Matt had the frustrating experience of kind of just being told, well, no, you didn't make the right choice. Um, and make some of this the... other choice instead. But yeah, but I think for me, uh, I think about a video game like uh, the other Detroit, Detroit Become yeah. Human, which is all about a similar thing of you you have a limited amount of time to make very important choices. And at the end of each chapter of that game, you see a tree that shows you all of the possibilities and shows you the path that you took and shows you all of the other paths that you could have taken. Um, and for me, I felt a little frustrated sometimes not knowing if it would be worth it to go back if there was anything there or if I was just being steered in a certain direction. And yeah. it, it's interesting as well, I think, the the in a way, because this is sort of a hybrid, it exposes the, the unique differences between the two mediums in yeah. a really sort of profound way, which is that, for example, when I sit down to play a game, I know I'm in, you know, I can play for hours and hours at a time. You know, about 30 minutes into this, I did find this tiresome from this, you know, like, and I was kind of going, when is this going to be over and when can I be done with this? And I, it, it, it sort of sparked kind of the the profound differences of expectations that we can have when we're playing, you know, when when we expect interactivity to be unique and profound to have to, to actually affect our experience versus when we are sitting down to watch a movie where we... We, you know, we don't sit down to play to watch a movie for seven hours unless you're watching like a Bellatar film or something like that. <laughs> unless uh, you're watching your favorite documentary of all time. Oh yes, the O.J. Simpson, which I did. You know, I have watched twice through in in, in single sitting. <laughs> wow. Um, I was I was gonna say, but that's because I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> the um the I had a lot of moments where I was. This is why I actually the reason the exact reason why you didn't like it was the reason it kept pulling me back in was that to clarify I did like it I'm sorry, I, I'm I just, sorry that, know, made yeah. you, that made you want to quote put it down or stop yeah, yeah. it because I got to those points and then it seemed like at the right moment maybe just for the pacing that I was preparing myself for it did something where I was like what you, no oh all right I'm back like it, it kept I I find games. Movies, uh, books, anything that uh, has me on a scale of like, I love it, I hate it, or I'm not sure, but I love it again. And anything that can keep bringing me back and forth, I will always be more passionate towards because I think that exercise, at least in my experience of experiencing things, is a dip more difficult thing to pull off. Mm -hmm. As far as gameplay, how could it be a better game? Uh, it could be Enter the Gungeon, but it's not. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no. The I was thinking the entire time I was thinking of how I need to go back and play and finish Life is Strange. That's right. the other one I was going to mention. And yeah. Life is Strange is such it, it. It's this as far as like um you know there's there's big life events, but it's sort of like it's much more it's much less 
psychological horror-ish, and it's just sort of like uh, a girl going to an art school uh, and and her life sort of going around it. And, and I felt far more connected uh, to my, not only the characters in that and being... Um, being the character, but also uh, I felt like the choices were far more impactful in that. And I was like, well, this, other than certain quick time events and sort of, um, I'm trying to think of other mechanics in Life is Strange that that wouldn't would, that could not be done on Netflix. So the mechanical conceit in Life is Strange, which was interesting, oh, is right. the ability to reverse time. So within every choice you make, you sort of get that choice to see to see a little bit up that branch and then go back. Right. Which I think did a lot for um for letting you understand, feel out what those choices might mean. Yeah. Which I guess I'm, I'm making a big stretch here and I don't think this is real. Could be done, yeah. You could do that in this. Oh yeah. You it, could watch to a point and then hit rewind on your thing and go back. But because they put it within the narrative, it didn't feel, feel like, yeah, yeah. Never, yeah. And, and I and I think you know again there is this sort of uh, this is this is something unusual for film viewers or you know to, or Netflix viewers. So to kind of there is a there is a bit of a, a learning curve that's involved for film viewers to get into this mode of to this mode of watching. And yes. I think and you know like in that respect, I still enjoyed what this was, and I enjoyed that this exists, and I I just like. I don't think it was necessarily uh, a profound or, or particularly uh, a fully functioning experience that 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 the opportunity for this medium has uh, or this hybrid this hybridization has. But I think it's a really interesting first. Well, it's not the first step, but it's an interesting step on a large scale. Yeah. Yeah, and I just really think it hamstrung itself by trying to focus on psychological horror instead of metaphysical horror. Right. That they had an answer for the question, who are you? What are you doing here? Um and what is your role in this character's life instead of having us question, are yeah. we, are we the delusion? Are we the voice in this person's head? Are we gods? Yeah. Are we people on Netflix just toying with these lives for our own amusement and are we is there this m sort of magical book or game with a bandersnatch in it that's seizing people and and f taking control over their lives and controlling their minds you know are we the bandersnatch like it didn't give us that question yes yeah. it answered it and i think that it hamstrung itself by trying to free us from our uh sort of guilt for controlling this person so it's funny though uh i actually completely agree with you there when it picked up for me because I sort of had the same experience during the first half hour. I was like, this is neat. I'm enjoying this academically, but I'm not necessarily enjoying it sort of in the way that I would go into a film or whatever. Yeah. The moment where I actually got to my the first ending, and maybe it was just the ending we got to, uh, we started having this rapid fire, reverse time, go mm. back, experience something radically different, right? Mm. And one of the things that's interesting about doing it in a film rather than a game, in a game format, uh, especially if you're doing a traditionally animated game, um, you have to build a lot of different assets to do a totally different, whereas here, we could just put you in a different room, right? right? And all of a sudden, you could go down these radically branching paths. And this moment where it showed what's actually inherently interesting about your uh, choose-your-own-adventure, the possibility of radically different experiences mm -hmm. and it just did that rapid fire for me yeah. where okay now we're in the future with this woman programming this thing oh now we're dealing with programming control and this like experiment okay now uh we've chopped up a body and have built the perfect game right yeah. and we kept going back and forth that moment 
was the most interesting thing to me. And to me, I almost want to experience one of these as a group of related microfilms. Right. This is perfect. Like six minutes and then a choice which impacts a like or seeing a radically different possibility for those same six minutes. Yeah was more interesting to me than watching an hour of film with this. Right, right, yeah. And I think I think for me that's I, I think all the multiple endings are really interesting, but but you know, the uh the the issue that happens here is that the medium is so profoundly different that yeah. that essentially the medium is what we're interested in and the way in which we get multiple endings are interesting. But the endings themselves lose their impact because we're seeing multitudes as opposed to a singular, you know, identifying question about like what is control? What is consequentialism? Or how does free will work in this world? And what does Bandersnatch mean, you know, f- metaphysically? I think to this mm-hmm. character, like, what is yeah. what is the overall arc of Bandersnatch? Or even who is this person? Yeah. Who is this character? Right? Yeah. Well, but I th- would say that uh, what was interesting to me is where in a film or whatever you may be used to being curious about the ending. Mm-hmm. What those micro changes did to me was it recontextualizes it now rather than the ending i'm interested in the inciting incident or the question what if this inciting incident had happened slightly differently right right? what if i conceptualize or think about this moment slightly differently where does that lead right? right and so the question of where do we lead rather than where we end up becomes primary and that to me was an interesting thing but it didn't occur until sort of the end of the film for me. Yeah, and I think I think if there was some way to kind of wrap that question into a sort of a, if, if we were to basically take all those multitudes of endings and then wrap it in some sort of, um, you know, some sort of sense, I guess, of an ending or some sort of sense yeah. that 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 brought the experience together. Um, I think that would have be that would work. Now again, oh, I, I still liked it. I think the thing that brings it together is two, kind of twofold. One. Colin as a character because he can sort of see through everything that's going on throughout the entire thing. As as it progresses, he gets more and more like uh, sort of in the know. And then two, the the reason why I think this is probably my favorite. Uh, I'll call it a FMV game because it's basically what it is. My favorite one because and and it's it's almost like it's my favorite because of it's it, because it's a one trick pony in in a certain way. It works like I said in the beginning of this podcast because. The theme of it wraps it perfectly meshes with the plot, which perfectly meshes with the mechanic, which meshes with your experience. I don't think that like this would work. I mean, I played a bunch of full motion video games, and they're fun. And when we even did late shift, uh, James, the reason why late shift was enjoyable was because the three of us were sitting there and we were making choices together, and like it was just sort of it was like. It was really fun. It was fun because we could talk about it like da da da. I don't think I'd want to do that with Bandersnatch because in in Late Shift, your the control mechanic was never tied to the to the plot or the theme of the piece. It was just right. like this is what you're doing. Right. Where this, it was like it felt weirdly personal, exploratory, and just sort of all tied. All of the things it was trying to do, I felt like tied together very well. Did it then answer what it thought the question of like, does free will exist? Or was there something that ever sort of did that? I don't think narratively there is. I kind of think based on mechanic, it did. Because it's basically saying there's a a, a ton of different branching paths in the universe that every choice you make can sort of go down. And it lets you 
uh, sort of uh, take as many as budget would allow. Like it, it, it takes a little bit of disbelief from both a narrative perspective and a little bit of belief in like how a thing is made. Yeah. Like because you can't ever get that truly like infinite possibilities if you're saying like oh infinite universes exist based on Microsoft. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I just think it it if this film had any other plot with this mechanic. I wouldn't have given a shit if that makes sense. And again, I feel like I'm singing a lot of praises on this thing. I have issues with uh, the acting was like 75% there, depending on what character was doing what uh, I hated the game developer guy. The uh, He just felt so cartoony in a world that the did boss. Not, yeah. 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 He was terrible. <laughs> um, uh, and I get the thing he was going for. I, I think I, I just enjoyed that he was so big in a sort of weird world. You know, I, like, I, I don't think he was a bad actor. I just know it, it, it was an, an, it was a choice that derailed me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I shouldn't call the I, I don't want to call the acting bad. It felt out of place. And I was like, is there a point to this? Is like, no, he's just made a choice. <laughs> um, and I think that um, I actually liked all of the endings that weren't, quote, the true ending because they were just like an irreverent kind of, oh, this is what could have like, been. Like, for example, to me, the one that really didn't work um, and I was when they were like, oh, well, shouldn't there be more action in here? Do you want to see more action? Yes. yes or fuck yeah. And I was like, Okay, I, you know, like that was a, I, that was I, the that, worst. That was the worst ending. Era. That was just the worst part of the experience. Yeah, I, th I think it kind of it was it was drawing attention to the possibilities so much so that it was drawing you out of the the world of this the, the questions that this world was kind of posing, um, which I think you know that that's when I kind of dipped out of it. But the oddly like the one that I think because I think you you mentioned the true ending, you know what you think might be the true ending, and I I think I know the one which is where you choose to die with your mother. Yes. Um, and I think I think that is a a really interesting story, uh, you know that 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 kind of gets told throughout this the throughout this uh, episode, which is that you know he had this mother who passed away, and he has the opportunity through this multi branching narrative to kind of like go back and revisit that moment, not not unlike um, a film like Source Code or um, Groundhog Day or something like that. Yeah. Um, but but you know, and then and then we should be sort of profoundly affected by the choice he makes at the end of that film. The other one, you know, the other film I kind of thought about was The Butterfly Effect. Right. Um, but, but, but I did, I did, I think by the time I got to that point, I wasn't invested in the emotional catharsis of him making that choice or, or even me making that choice for him. I was invested, sorry, sorry, real quick. The only thing I'll say is I was not invested in either of those things. I was invested in the moment where it clicked over that that's what I would have to do. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah. Cool. Like it was just a moment Die of like with mom. But like cool. it, it, it made it <laughs> kind of or like, kill dad. One of well, the I other. didn't want to kill dad. Dad was like like that pseudo like kind of like movie dick not a dick sort of character mm -hmm. and then I, I was just like when I realized what it, the reason it worked was I realized maybe two steps ahead of when it actually went there and then it made me feel clever in my little animal brain for realizing that. So uh I was just curious because I've heard a lot of people refer to that as like the secret ending um, or the true ending. But I think, aren't you, for, like everyone I know has gotten there. I think you're forced to get to that, that ending. Well, yeah. that's yeah. where the credits roll. Yeah. Unless us. you stop. Right. Yeah, because yeah, cause that, it was right after, maybe it was after that or I'm not sure where I had, but there was a point at which I couldn't play anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, you know, and I think I, that's it. Yeah. And yeah. then once mm -hmm. you, and that may have been like the algorithm basically saying you've explored all the options at this point. I think there's mm -hmm. something to that because a lot of uh, articles uh, were saying like, well, no, no, that's not exactly true because some people didn't get, 
The, I think that branch is when you get you find the secret cabinet and there's the different things you can punch into right. the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, the three that I did, I think, um, were uh, pack for Pac-Man. Right. We did Pac. that too. Yeah. And then packs, and then toy. 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 There yeah. might have been a fourth, but I don't remember. I. The, there is a fourth, but I didn't see that option. Uh, up. So we didn't get that option. So, the, but the toy is the one that gives you sort of, and and I waited the longest to do toy. I did every other option before, uh, before that that time. It seems like the, the people are calling it the true ending because the credits roll. I think after it, then you get the the coo- actual credits. Yeah, anyway. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the I, I it's it might have to do with how many things you've seen. It might have to do with. Um, I guess oh, actually, I, I wonder if toy doesn't unlock until a certain point. You can definitely do toy before you do pack. Packs. No, I got pack and toy first, and then I Us got right. too. Yeah, oh, and really? then packs and toy second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. My, I, I was the opposite, which is I got pack and packs first. Oh, oh. Yeah. and then and I chose pack. P A C. And then it was the second time around. I got toy as an option, uh, and I think it was toy and packs, and I and I picked toy. Yeah. So I, I I mean there's no rhyme or I mean you know necessarily any I, I didn't feel like I was making conscious decisions to get to a point I felt I was just making decisions at that point right you know like one you're way going or the down other. the you're choosing left or right and you're yeah. going down the slide the rabbit hole yeah yeah where Alice, the white ooh. rabbit is where you could take the red or the blue pill mm-hmm. I will say from your earlier commentary one of the things I was a little bit disappointed with which I don't know if they can mechanically do uh, with this format is. There were a lot of places in this where I felt like the correct choice was to stop playing, and I wanted them to in some way incentivize that. I wanted them to give me an ending for pressing stop, right, or right. pressing go back. Yeah. Well, you also mentioned something earlier, which I I didn't experiment with, uh, was making no choice. Oh, yeah. yeah. What happens if you don't pick something? So, so we at least found one instance in which not picking something did something different. So it was when uh, he's in his therapist's office, and uh, the choice, it, and when he goes to her, in, in our run-through, it was the first time saying, so stuff's going on here and it's really happening and the choice is um, to tug your ear right. or oh, bite yeah. your nails and we didn't choose anyone and yeah. it so it auto chooses bite your nails which it does at other points it'll sort of auto choose an option for you but he goes to bite his nails and like physically can't like right. he's trying and then his other hand stops did it him. stop that for you too well actually the odd thing is I chose to bite my nails and the same thing happened oh uh, so, see we were so bad. impressed because we were like <laughs> oh, oh like he's trying to make choices for himself and he literally can't without us how cool is that yeah because I, like, I remember that one because I bite my nails and I was like okay I'll, ch- I'll pick something that I know I bite and, my nails and I chose the ear one <laughs> and it's it's a similar thing. He goes to reach for his ear, and he kind of stops himself. See, I'm yeah. disappointed in that. I'm glad yeah. that they gave us the illusion of that experience, but I'm upset that it was an illusion. Yeah, because they had to know that people were going to go and talk about the choices yeah. that they made and find out that that wasn't real. It would have been much cooler if, um, if there was a point at which he could no longer make choices for himself without you. Yeah. Well, one of the experiments I want to do is go through and just make no choices and see where it goes. Right, because that like. Since the whole thing is based on him feeling like he's being manipulated, yeah. If you never do it, does it have the same storyline? Like, or I wonder. I wonder if it takes you to whatever. And I can't remember because there's so many different options. I wonder if it takes you to sort of like the most indifferent path. Like, there must be a certain ending that gets you. Like, it's definitely not like chop up dad. It's, it's depressed at home watching video, playing video games, probably or something like I, that. I have no idea. <laughs> maybe, although I, if I had to guess, and maybe we'll do this experiment and report back. But if I had to guess, I think it would be the ending where he just gets off his meds and 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 
says, you know what? I think I'm just I don't I can't control myself and I don't make any choices. So I yeah. guess I'll just murder someone. And maybe in, in a way, what the, the 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 thing that I do like about this is that you know there is the illusion of of choice here, and the medium kind of ostensibly prevents you from having profound choices like you would have in a video game. So the you know like there's this conversation about choice and consequentialism and free will free will versus determinism mm-hmm. but but you know like none of it really matters because the choices aren't you know able to be changed by you that much like you will just kind of go through the experience and live it and I th- and I think sort of you know, again, that medium is the message kind of idea. I think yeah. that is sort of an interesting way to watch this thing. Well, yeah. the well, the plot even goes. I mean, it's just about that too, yeah. and not to like even even all, some of the Easter eggs. And obviously, it references other. You know, mm-hmm. is is this a shared universe thing with the rest of Black Mirror with all right. the different references? But also, like, there's a Ubik poster in mm-hmm. Collins. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed uh, that. Yeah. In, in, yeah. His, in his room, and like. Just like stuff like that, kind of. Uh, you know what I found a little bit interesting, and I don't want to. I go back and forth, and if I think it was, I, I want to know why they did it. But the the symbol, the the branching yeah. path symbol, is known as the white bear because mm-hmm. in the, ep- the in episode. the other episode, that's what comes up on the on the screen. Okay, the so that's yeah. like a thing that they do. Also, some of the other games in the company are references to other Metalhead. Metal Dog or Metal Yeah, Metalhead. Uh, and um, and uh, Nosedive is another name of a Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. And also foreshadowing your yeah. later choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also foreshadowing if you listen to the tone uh, at the end of the true credits when you put in the Bandersnatch tape, uh, you can run it through an audio decryptor and then it brings you to a QR code with the white uh, bear symbol, which then gets you to a secret uh, page of the Trevorsoft uh, websites, and then that gets you like access to playing the game Nosedive, which you, we were talking about before, James. It has like a light uh, ARG sort of element to it, which I appreciated, and I actually... I liked how how not deep it was because mm. I think that is a and only because that is again Netflix knowing its main audience. People that find this are probably or people that like that when this is its when this is someone's first experience with something like this. It's chances are they haven't played many ARGs in the past, so this is like a cool gateway of like, oh my god, did you? This is crazy. Yeah, there's secrets. How yeah. are there secrets in a like? Yeah, and it, it is just enough show. secret for like a uh, average person who doesn't do this stuff to like have that little bit of time and read about it and think that's so cool. Like it gives them enough like media clout. I just wanted to see one more piece of like. All those things are very throwaway that you end up getting to. Oh yeah, and I wanted to see one more little insight, like on plot pages. Thing, maybe. Yeah, I, and you know, you yeah. know, the, uh, so I haven't, I haven't uh, kept up with Black Mirror. I've, I've seen, I think, the first and the second season, and I think they're extraordinary. It's just one of those things where I've been like, I will watch these one day. There's no pressing reason. You to need one some, two is worth it. You yeah. need some emotional headspace. To yeah. Watch yeah, yeah, some yeah, of yeah, exactly. So I don't blame in the right you. Mood. There, but uh, I mean, there are a couple of episodes that I've seen where I was like, that is you know, on par with some of the best things I've seen, you know, uh, in a while. But there was one episode which uh, my wife was watching and I was kind of like side watching with her and she was watching an episode where... Um, side watching th- sounds like a name of a Black Mirror episode. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, it's, uh, where where uh, it's a sort of dystopian future where uh, people are watching a character be tortured because she has committed some crime. That is White Bear. Oh, That's is that White, White Bear? Bear? Yeah. Okay, so, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, it would be cool if this was kind of like... The prototype for white bear or something it like that. Kind of, it was right. Yeah. It wasn't James? Were you looking at an article that said mm. something about that? That it, uh, I believe we looked mm. at all this trivia before mm. coming. I I could be mistaken about this, but I believe the initial conception um, mm. 
for I think it was White Bear was for it to oh no it was a uh, playtest. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Playtest was going to happen before before Bandersnatch was Bandersnatch. They were toying with adding some interactivity to a pre-existing episode. Yeah. Right. And they decided not to go with it at that time, but I guess now they decided the time is is right. And the time is not. And it's also interesting the way this came about, which is that Netflix prompted Charlie Brooker to do this. It wasn't it wasn't a case of Charlie Brooker having a story that kind of fit. It was like, oh, you know, we have this opportunity to do this technology. Do you have a story that you think would work? And yeah. he came up with something. And I think. And I and I think for that it's actually really extraordinary what he's done here and what the show has done and what and and what they've managed to pull off. It's just you know like it it's not as profound as some of the other ones where I kind of feel like he's had some burning right. commentary about technology that he's wanted to say you know and in a language that he completely fully understands as opposed to this one where it's like hey we've got this language what's a story that fits into it here's how and I'll sort of get into sort of my my final thoughts here a little bit on it too um, is. I don't think this is a profound experience. I think it is interesting and I think it is fun. I I didn't walk away from it being like, oh my God, reality is is different than when I first came in. It's like, no, it just played with concepts of possible ways reality works. And I was like, oh, I'm familiar with this. This is nice. Well, that's because you didn't drop acid before. Uh, that is yeah. true. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have had a choice though, apparently, because yeah. if you choose not to drop acid, you're still gonna get yeah, acid. I yeah, I know, which was which was uh which was shady. Um <laughs> But I, I, I did thoroughly enjoy the experience much more than I thought I did. My expectations, I don't know why my expectations were so low. I think the pedigree of Black Mirror is is a good one. It's a show that I actually trust. I think maybe, and maybe it's because I've been conditioned to do this via corporations and how they do it, like the fact that it was a Netflix ask. <laughs> it wasn't a thing that they were like, I need to make this. It was like, a, it was, it's a well-made thing someone was commissioned to do. And I, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to paint, I, I feel like, I, I want to be very careful. I don't want to paint it like it's so fantastic and everyone's going to love it. Because I don't think everyone's going to love it. I think people, uh, some people will love it, some people will be like, this is stupid. But I think it's it's something interesting that if you have a Netflix account, I think it is worth at least trying and seeing if, you know, get an ending or two and see if you want to keep going further. <laughs> yeah, Zozo? You watched it. <laughs> Sorry, she's been mouthy today, everybody. Listeners, I'm terribly sorry. My cat is being, uh, <laughs> it's being weird. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious what your uh, both of your final thoughts are on this, just because it is so. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you guys were actually here for. And this was the, the the thing we could talk about because it's so up your alley in terms of like what it is you guys talk about and what it is you do. I mean, where do you do you think that this is? Uh, a future step that will kind of progress and, and it can get better? Or do you think that this is kind of uh, an example of why we shouldn't be doing this or? Yeah, no, I, my thought is that I think, uh, I think that this was fundamentally a success and right. I do, it's better than I thought it would be. And I do think that this is going to be the beginning of more of these. And I have a feeling we're going to backtrack. I think we're going to get a whole bunch now that are going to be a lot worse as yeah. the medium sort of finds its feet. But I think that this is absolutely sort of the beginning of a new era for for media. And for me, I mean, I agree. All of my complaints have been because I feel like this was so close to brilliant, mm. um, but not quite there. Uh, I completely agree with what Jack said about we're going to get a lot of <laughs> yeah. not great ones of these. Get ready for the schlock. Maybe but, watch the Puss in Boots already. Hey, we yeah. already got that. <laughs> but <laughs> I do think that there are stories that can't be told through stories traditional cinema that also can't be tr told through traditional games which can be told through this sort of thing 
and eventually we will hit one of those, right? Like this was really close to mm. to dealing with ideas and issues that are better dealt with through this format. And so, yeah, hopefully people keep experimenting with this, but do it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oddly, I, I think you're right, which is that it's it's the the complaints that I have are are to do with it getting so close to being brilliant and you know b- because of what you said as well which is that the the actual narrative is tied into the interactivity right. and into the medium and i think those are really uh, th- that is the right way to do this and that is a you know a sort of a good case study for like why to do this you know it's a, i i'm getting the impression the other full motion video that you guys reviewed earlier um uh late well, shift late shift wasn't as it was good. bad. It was silly. <laughs> a lot of the fun of it was because it was bad, and we could just sort of ride it out together. Yeah, and see right. what happened. If we played that individually, we would have been bored out of our minds. Yeah, I think if you're out there and want to check out a full motion video game, the best probably out there is called Her Story, mm-hmm. and so that's the one I would recommend. But yeah, things like Late Shift. Uh, God, there's been so many. Not full motion video is kind of a joke in our industry. Yeah. I still want to see somebody do it well. I'm actually very curious to see the first one done well. But yeah, a lot of them are But and, yeah. and, and, in, and in that respect, you know, uh, something like the Telltale games are better examples yeah. of the impact that, that branching storylines can have because those are kind of less uh, gamey, gamey games and more story-driven, cho- you know, like that, that use the game format to achieve what they need to achieve, right? Like the, the technology is better suited to to um, something like uh, The Walking Dead on full, you know, on Telltale Games than it is to then doing a, 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 an interactive episode of uh, The Walking Dead on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, fundamentally, I think I agree, which is that I think things don't work here, but I'm excited by the potential for this to work eventually. And I think this was a really uh, important first, well, and it's, and again, it's not the first step, but a really important step in terms of like mainstreaming this idea and also fundamentally changing the way we think about cinema because you know the thing that I was sort of really curious about as a filmmaker was like how does the language of what I understand of how cinema works how do I have to think about that differently if I was to make something where choices were important to an audience and you know new possibilities in cinema technology always do that and I think this was a really good example of someone thinking about those those problems and those issues kind of in a really clear and succinct way now uh, you know the the storyline didn't quite get there and 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 I think um, but 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 the thing that the, that would have made this work is so profoundly difficult to achieve in an ordinary film that it's like it's it's sort of weird to sort of nitpick it for that you know like the like we we review 52 films a year and maybe 20 of them are profoundly impacted right you know what I mean so to ask a, a, a film that is working in a new space with a new technology <laughs> to do, all that technology well and then be emotionally impactful is a big ask and you know it's very close so i think that's a that's a sort of a an interesting uh, interesting exciting experiment that i hope we'll see more of, but i also agree fundamentally with what you say was we're going to see a lot of terrible ones oh, uh, i boy. think and based off yep. the the amount of discussion this film will probably generate <sighs> well, this has been the only podcast about Black Mirror's Bandersnatch, uh, or has it? Because we don't know how many oh, paths we rec- this we has gone. We should record different endings. We were like, we liked it, we didn't like it. Oh my <laughs> god! You know what? We Maybe. should let viewers choose. They can vote. Yeah. Today, they can go out and in the comment section, right? Leave a comment, vote, decide whether or not we liked Bandersnatch. And <laughs> maybe we already did 
Oh. In other, and in other. maybe Matt killed his dad. Or well, is already dead. Or, yeah. or maybe Zoe is my dad. All right, on that note. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> well, uh, Jack, James, thank you so much for coming on. When you are not uh, making fantabulous things alongside me with uh, extra credits, where can folks find you? Oh, that's if you want to be found. No, I'm going to direct them towards extra credits because that way they can see the product of both of our work. Yes. All right. Excellent. I just sort of live in a barrel <laughs> on a mountain deep in a cave deep in the woods. I'm imagining that scene in The Hobbit where the, 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 the barrel... Uh, like that, yeah. 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 You it mean, sounds exciting. You mean the one enjoyable scene in The Hobbit? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, exactly. Hobbit shade. All right, excellent. Bar- barrel talk. Shahir, when you are not uh, being uh, forced by fate or possibly not to watch interactive non-film films. Where can folks find you? Oh, that was so convoluted, but you can... Yeah. I, I should build some interactivity into my website, but it, and as it stands, it's just a... It's just a business card, basically, but it's Shahir Dowd. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are not killing your cat dad, where can people find you? That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> she just, aw. Uh, you can find me at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, for my life and works, or Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. One day I'll solidify all that. Also, as James had mentioned, uh, check out Extra Credits. We are back from our break this week. I believe we're going to be starting uh, on Wednesday. We have an episode about sound design and specifically uh, some stuff in Overwatch, and also we'll be continuing Sunyat Sen's saga, which was trending on yeah. on the yeah. YouTube machine over oh, the really? holidays, which was, part two was, part two. Only episode two. Yeah. So strange. Oh, really? Uh, but it's great. What happens in part two that didn't happen? Oh, well, you have to watch it, Shahir. Oh, man. I should... It's exciting. Uh, it's like it's it. a very good series. Um, shout out shout out to, to Robert Rath, the, the writer of that, uh, that wonderful thing. Uh, but yeah, until next time... Uh,